1: Hello everyone and welcome to The Riverfront. This is episode number 411 of the World's Most Mildly Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host Chad Dotson. With me again this week is my guy Nate Dotson. How are you, Nate? Is that a rhetorical question or do people actually want to know? Nobody, no one really cares, but I feel... I feel like an obligation to ask, you know, because I don't i don't care either. Also joining us joining us this week, it'd be uh, easy for me to say if I could speak, it's our friend Carlos Guevara. Carlos is, of course, uh, of the world-famous Late Reds talk. If you haven't watched that, you know, what are you doing here? Um, but also a former former big league pitcher, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but a uh, member of the Reds organization. Carlos, thanks for joining us, man. How are you?
0: Absolutely, man. I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me on. That, that little banter is – that's why
1: I jumped at the moment to get on this show. I, I love watching you guys. <laughs> yeah, right. Nobody loves watching us. But I appreciate you saying that. It's really kind uh, for you. you know, I've been able to, to join Carlos over on uh, Late Night Reds Talk a couple times. Always a fun time. And uh, so if you haven't checked that out on YouTube, go find it. Uh, we'll talk more about that later maybe. But um, for those of you that don't know Carlos, though, and I don't know why you wouldn't at this point, I, I guess I feel kind of duty-bound to uh, – To kind of give you a little bit bit of a, uh, you know, heads up, of course, Carlos uh, made it to the big leagues, which, uh, you know, I didn't do. I didn't even make it to uh, varsity in high school. Um, Drafted by the Reds, though, in the seventh round of the 2003 amateur draft. And so uh, if you'll think about the years after that, Carlos played with some pretty good guys in in the minor leagues, um, including one uh, Joseph Daniel Votto. True or not true? True. true. Is he a good baseball player? He turned out to be pretty good.
0: We'll see, we'll see how he finishes off. All right.
1: Well, that's your inside scoop. Joey Votto, <laughs> not bad. Well, let's talk about uh, baseball here, if we could. Um, well, I could actually, that's what we've been talking about, but it's been mostly Bengals for the last few weeks. Um, and, yes, I know I say Bengals weird. That's all right. Deal with it. Um, well, kind of we start here with the news of the week. And, of course, as it's been lately, it's the lockout. And the lockout is – We'll talk about some of the specifics, but I am uh, no more encouraged about the state of the lockout than I was last week. Carlos, what are your thoughts on this uh, this uh, massive joke?
0: It's, it's baffling how it can be so bad. There could be, you know, no good faith, you know, bargaining going on. It's just report after report. I mean, you keep seeing these guys, you know, reporting that they're showing up. They're having meetings every day, but nothing's coming from it. I mean, it's – they're making little to no ground. Um, it's getting worrisome. Like now I'm on the train to where I think we might be closer to missing more than maybe maybe just a month or a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah. Nate? Uh,
2: I hate to say it, but I agree with Carlos. Um, the most frustrating thing for me is that, yeah, they're somehow in some way getting face-to-face every day, and they don't even accidentally make progress. I mean, there has been uh, – no to use uh what Carlos say good faith effort from the owners at all to you know try to appease what the union wants negotiations have to kind of happen that way and everybody keeps talking about this deadline March 5th or whatever um there shouldn't be a deadline the owners put the deadline on there they locked the players out all of this could have been avoided and I don't think we're going to find any sort of resolution until we have lost significant games.
1: Well, the problem is you don't have a negotiation. If only one side is negotiating and that's, what's happening here. <clears throat> the players are basically, basically, uh, you know, negotiating against themselves because the owners are just, it's, it's, it's become more clear than it was even in the last couple of weeks we've been talking about it. They're, they're, you know, they're, uh, they're not seriously interested in, uh, Negotiating. And negotiating, and and because they have nothing to lose. They don't mind missing games, and they think they can wait the players out. But this is not new. We all talked about this. Uh, the latest, I guess, uh, we have ownership uh, is asking for 14 playoff spots. Players have countered with 12. But uh, this week, the players basically said, uh, put an asterisk on that number 12 playoff teams told the owners if the 2022 season isn't 162 games, then they won't agree to 12 teams in the playoffs this year. And, you know, of course, the, the reason for that is that uh, – the reason – did we lose – Carlos there for a second? I don't know what happened there. That's probably He's my fault.
2: this conversation already. He's like, I'm bored. I thought he was like, – I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: is that the, the owners make the money in the playoffs. And so, you know, they don't care. And then, of course, we had this, uh, you know uh, – statement about major league baseball that we're going to begin postponing uh the start of spring training games until at least march 5th and you know uh games are going to be canceled soon it's all just i don't know we could talk about the specifics i guess but it's the same thing we've been seeing the owners do not seem to have any interest at all in ensuring that games are played period point blank i mean
0: i know carlos disagrees with that he, he's, he's on the side of the owners
1: right oh absolutely i
0: feel bad for those guys you know <laughs> they don't get to come to there are three games a year now, so might be pushed down just to two. We'll see.
1: <laughs> I, it, it constantly blows my mind, much in the way when I uh, troll everyone on Twitter by saying that uh, you know Pete Rose is not the best player in Reds history. Um, people go nuts. But it blows my mind how many people out there are so desperate to defend the owners here. And I just – I can't – what's that, either of you? I, where does that come from? Why is I've that y- a thing? I've
0: yet to hear a good reason why you would – Back the owners. I mean, I, you know, I, you guys had Bill on a couple of weeks ago, or however long ago it was, and I I didn't hear one good reason.
2: I can sort of understand the initial thought, like, oh, they're they're all rich. It's just rich people negotiating against rich people. But if you stop to think about that for just a second, and you consider the players that you know don't stay in the league for several years and make that money for a long time, and the amount they got to pay their agents. And moving their families across country, and they're only making this money for a, you know, I think the average, um, you know, lifespan for a play my lifespan, but you know, ten year span or whatever, for an MLB player is uh, like five years. So yeah, sure they get to go play a game and get paid for it. But what happens after that five years is up? What if you were up and down between the big leagues and AAA that whole time?
0: That's the the average span of a big leaguer's five years.
2: I don't know. I feel like I read that, but I could have just made it up. Oh, that seems really long. I'm all about feelings and not facts. I don't, I
1: don't, I don't fact-checking. <laughs> I like that. I'm
0: going to write that one down real quick. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, you have Bob Castellini, who
1: can put a team out with no interest in winning, lose 90 games a year. It doesn't matter, because his investment has already tripled, quadrupled. It's a billion-dollar uh, business at this point. And so there's – you know, and, he's, and he's, they're going to make money, whether there's – they're serious about compete competing or not, and the players, right? We, we think about, oh my goodness, you know, poor Mike Trout, poor Joey Votto, you know, they're, you know, what are they arguing? over? Oh, they need more money? No, that's not that's not who's arguing about. It's the guy that's in his first year of the league that is going up and down between minor, the minors and majors, and you know, happy to get that uh, major league, uh, you know, per diem and uh, and the prorated major league salary, and those guys, and then the next generation, the minor leaguers who are not even represented in the players association, but the next generation. So I just, I can't, um, and we had, we did go around uh, and around on that, uh, on a recent podcast, but I just, uh, the, what comes back to me is this, the owners have locked out the players. Players didn't strike players will be at spring training tomorrow, but, uh, the owners have locked them out. And I don't know why we would, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I'll let you there. If you, if you want to add to that, we've kind of beat that up, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, If you, unless you want to like dive into each thing, like some of the main things to me that stick out that are kind of worrisome or, or whatever is, is, you know, adding the playoff teams because um, I feel like that's going to give, you know, the owners of Cincinnati more reason just to keep it as is, you know, spend spend some money every now and then, not very much of it. Don't do a whole lot at the trade deadline. Like, I feel that that's the way it's going to go if we expand these playoffs. Uh, rosters, um, and then yeah, is you know, the gonna home. be trying to get
1: to 500 every year. That's all Castleton yeah. wants to do, get to 500
0: because then maybe you got a playoff. I mean, we the Reds would have been in the playoffs the last what three years in a row now. If if they would have expanded oh, it, great. yeah, I mean, yeah. they're more successful like it whenever they get in this year, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's where it gets a little messy for me because as a baseball fan, I do not want to see any playoff expansion, but as a Reds fan. Like, wait, 500, you know, if he's shooting for 500, that's pretty
1: good. Yeah. <laughs> Might be the only way we get in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a big one to me is the the expanding playoffs. I, I think it's going to happen eventually, certainly. I mean, w- we have the, the size well, of I mean, three the there's... The
0: players are already countering to, right. you know, adding – on their counter, they're adding playoff teams too. So that thing is going to happen. Yeah.
2: Well, one of the big ones for me is this, uh, you know, the, the salary minimum. It blows my mind. The amount that the owners are now offering is less than last year's, if you adjust for inflation. They're, they're proposing a pay decrease.
1: You mean the minimum salary for yeah. for players? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, what are we what are we arguing about here? Like, what are those? Yeah. people who are backing the owners? They have no like legs to stand on. What are we talking about? You don't want to pay them anything. They somebody put out a tweet earlier with like the NBA players, the NFL, what everybody gets. Um, paid and you know mlb plays about 100 more games than everyone else yeah. at the minimum yeah and they get paid yeah. the same and your hockey, That's wild.
2: Yeah. hockey's probably the closest as far as like you know roster sizes yeah and they're making 750 or something like that
1: yeah and half the games yeah, yeah. You know, I guess think of it this way. There's this huge pile of money out there. If you're listening to me and saying I'm an idiot, and and I know most of you do that every week. That's fine. I get it. But if you're saying you're an idiot, you know, the owners are, you know, they're risking something here. Just look at it this way. There's this huge pile of money that is just pouring in in baseball. And so much of it is not related to what happens on the field. So much of it is not related to wins and losses or attendance. You know, you got so much of the, the, the digital revenue, and all the other revenue streams that baseball owners try not to classify as baseball income. There's this huge pile of money and it has to be split up some way. So for those of you that are arguing that the players are being greedy or, you know, the players shouldn't get more of a share of that. Why? Cause then it just goes into the owner's pocket, which is fine. The owners, I'm, I'm okay with the owners being rich as well, <laughs> but there's a huge pile of money out there that, um, I just—you can't say there's never been a single time in the history of major baseball when the players have been treated particularly well, yeah. and the fact is here the owners are also treating another group really, really poorly. In addition to the players, and that's the fans. That's us. And so why? I don't know why the fans. It's all on the owners. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't want the expanded yeah. playoffs. I don't want a, a designated hitter. I just want baseball. Good old American baseball.
0: The, the players are asking for one percent more one percent it's outrageous i have gotten
2: permission from my fiance. like this thing we do with uh watching the reds this is this is a job this is a this is a hustle like i have to do this and she gave me permission and if there's no baseball i don't know what i do i gotta watch rupaul's drag race or something
1: (laughs) yeah watch more uh it's always sunny uh we have more time for that um Oh mercy! What, uh, is there? Anything else about the? Uh, that, that's my that's my final that's my Southwest Virginia phrase to, to cover the lockout. Oh mercy! Um, let me look here. Yeah, MOP made a revised offer in one area. The minimum salary they did raise their offer from <laughs> to six hundred forty thousand from six hundred thirty thousand. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's it's yeah. When you look at it next to inflation, you're losing money. So the sides the are still meeting and. How about this? One last thing I want to say, because I love this. MLB put out a statement that said this. All 30 clubs are unified in their strong desire to bring players back to the field and fans back to the stands. Raise your hand if you believe that. They could do it tomorrow. What's that, Nate?
2: Why'd you lock them out? Yeah. Hmm.
1: We should have picked a different sport.
0: Most of the time, we've been golf, saying we should golf have picked a different. is getting team. pretty interesting right now. Golf, golf is wild this week. <laughs> it's crazy.
1: Yeah, Phil Mickelson kind of went off, and I don't know. It's going. It's getting
0: wild. And I was just like starting to open up to Phil. Like I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like him that much. Whenever him and Tiger were going head to head, and then now that Tiger's pretty much gone, and Phil's all over the place, and now I'm like, uh oh.
1: Yeah, it's Phil got likable there. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) last few years. Oh well, I guess uh, you can be like Nate, be a Bryson DeChambeau fan.
2: Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. I will not tolerate that slander.
1: (laughs) A guy, that's a piece of work. All right, so um, uh, other kind of quote unquote news for the week: Baseball Prospectus came out with their uh, their predictions. They projected the Cincinnati Reds to finish in second place in the National League Central this year.
0: Let's go.
1: That's I mean, that's not bad, that. right? Damn. They picked him to finish 516 games by, out of first place, but still. Playoffs, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Expanded playoffs. <laughs> yes, please. Oh, gosh.
2: Those projections don't take into account, um, you know, what happens post-lockout, which is the Reds giving away more serviceable major league players for absolutely nothing. Oh, no.
1: Well, we do need to kind of – Warm ourselves up to that thought, which is that the Reds have had a lot of time now since everyone's been locked out that they couldn't sell away their assets, <laughs> and I don't know that they're going to. But you think if somebody comes along with a with a a, a deal for Luis Castillo, who's getting ready to make a lot of money, they won't consider it? Is a Lu- hey, hey, question for you all: Is Luis Castillo a Red twelve months from now? Carlos, I'll, I'll ask you first. Yes.
2: How long is this contract?
1: He's, he's still arbitration eligible, so but he's, he's going to be getting paid in a, a second. Carlos, that was a little bit of a, a Nick Kirby answer, the most optimistic Reds fan on earth. You're trying yeah. to at the glass half full.
0: Yeah, Nick is definitely rubbed off. Uh,
1: <laughs> is that why you hate Kyle Farmer?
0: No. Oh, I got Kyle Farmer jersey on under here.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. I want to think that that Luis Castillo is here. Yeah, he should be here. Any kind of a team that's serious about competing over the next five years locks up Luis Castillo. I think. Uh, I hope he and Tyler Malley are here, uh, along with Hunter Green and Nicol Dolo. That's a solid. That's a solid four. Sunny Gray, you know, I hope he's here as well, but he's in a little bit of a different situation. That's a good core, though, if you're for a team that wanted to actually wanted to win, which I'm not sure we have here.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't see. I don't see him. Yeah, you know, being a red up until his free agency. Certainly not after he can hit the market. I wouldn't be surprised to let him go the uh, you know by the deadline the season before. But yeah, I hope I'm wrong.
1: So. Well, you are usually wrong, so there's a pretty good chance you will be.
2: <laughs> there's a precedent there.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh man. Okay. So that oh, there is some more news this week. This is the most exciting news. The Reds signed Zach Godley to a contract. Invited him to spring training. Zach Godley, that's a that's What a position name. does he play? Exactly. He's a right-handed pitcher. And, of course, he's a, on a minor league deal because the Reds can't make deals for players big league contracts. So, hey, Zach Godley, headed a good year.
2: I have a pet goldfish. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought we were talking about things that nobody cared about.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Do you take him on walks. My mistake. <laughs> oh, mercy. Um, Zach Godley. This is what we've been reduced to here. So I think what we should do probably is just shift over to the topic of the week because I'm just getting depressed now. Everyone's turned us off. I'm sorry, Carlos. Yeah, we should need to have you on, on a more exciting week when, you know, the Reds are getting into fights with the Pirates or something. But um, let's talk about the topic of the week. We've been doing week by week our Top five uh, Reds at each position, and we're up to third base now. And uh, here's my th- top third baseman, Johnny Bench. He plays some third base, right? It's your list, buddy. Make it however you want. Exactly. That's what I, that's what I told uh, both these guys. Whatever you want to do. Who cares? <laughs> Somebody come to us for like the definitive list for anything. Well, like
0: third base yeah. is a tough one, anyway. So you got to kind of.
1: Because it, there's not it, a lot to choose from. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've talked about that a couple other positions. You know, first base was pretty good for the Reds. You know, catcher yeah. was not great. You know, but uh, shortstop's gonna be pretty good next week. With third base, um, ew, not a lot to choose from. So let's let's uh, let's start at number five on our list. And I'm gonna go ahead. I guess I will. Uh, actually, what I'm gonna say for number five, uh, Nate and I had the same number five. So I'm gonna go ahead and um, and go there. Eugenio Suarez, Gino, you may know him as um, Suarez. Until the last, you know, year and a half, I thought was going to end up being way higher on this list, and he still may. I want, I want to believe. Uh, Nick Kirby tells me that he's going to be uh, great again. Um, but Eugenio Suarez, I mean, okay, he's not been great the last couple of years, but Suarez has obviously, you know, the home run record for Reds third baseman. Uh, single season, third baseman. He's you know uh, he's up there with the, I don't, again here at the at the bottom of this list. You can make an argument for about ten different guys, frankly. But um, and to, and to show you kind of how thin third base is, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Carlos says Suarez even higher on his list. So Nate, first, what are your thoughts on Eugenio Suarez?
2: Um, he had a really hot stretch there, 2017 through 19. He was good. He had what 10.9. Wins above replacement during that stretch, uh, including that just monster 2019 season with the 49 bombs, uh, 131 OPS plus. He was just mashing. Um, we all know the struggles of the last couple of years. Hopefully, they're behind us. But if you're looking for somewhere to blame, it's not the swimming pool. Some hack writer posted an article in March of last year titled "Eugenio Suarez All-Star Shortstop," and I. <laughs>
1: What a moron.
2: All of that is solely responsible for his, uh, his slide last year. So,
1: point, I can't imagine eight. who that is, but he's, yeah. What a, what an idiot. What a buffoon. Do <laughs> <sighs> you, you know
2: he's, he has been a, a well above average MOB third baseman in the past for multiple seasons? I'm keeping my fingers crossed,
1: keeping the optimism alive. He's top five all-time reds at any position in terms of being the most likable guy. I mean, we'll give him that. Carlos, you had him at number three on your list. And by the way, I was going to say your list. There's one name on your list that I can't wait to talk about that I wish I had put on mine. We'll get to that. But uh, why would you have uh, Gino a little higher?
0: You know, my list was, wasn't was necessarily about, you know, who's the best I could have got on baseball reference and just made that list. Mine was more about, um, you know, just, maybe some of my personal interactions with them or, or anything like that with some of these guys. Um, but I had, Gino hire higher just, you know, basically for the reason that you just gave last was, I mean, he's top five likable reds, like just a great guy watching him out there and how happy he gets for his teammates. That's, I mean, that's great. Um, last two, last two years have been rough. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and just remember September, um, Mm -hmm. bank off of that. And here we go again, baby. You can just – that that article that you wrote, just take shortstop and put third base, send it out again. <laughs> He's back,
1: baby. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, he, he did have a good September, and it made all, everybody who is a Suarez fan, which it has to be everyone, is thinking, oh, all right, please be back, because there's no one you're rooting for more than, uh, yeah. than Suarez to get back. So number five on your list, uh, Carlos. Let's see, did he end up on – he was ended up being number four on Nate's list. And so uh, I'll let either of you jump in Todd Frazier. I th- I thought about putting him. he's, he, he was really close for me, Todd Frazier. Yeah. Um, I had him in there, you know, just for,
0: for recency um, buys here, just kind of, I don't really know the whole history of the reds. Like, like you, like you two. So, I mean, I just, it's hard to leave off the list. You know, he had the all-star game, uh, home run derby. I mean, that alone probably in third baseman will put you on this reds list. Um, that performance there. Um, he was very solid for a couple of years. Um, I have, have it written down here, you know, Todd father, number five slash bean burgers, because <laughs> little story I went to go, I forget which year it was. Um, but there was a fight on Saturday night and Joey had some, some folks over. And so, you know, he had, burgers and brats and you know just fight night food and so some of the guys came over and Todd came over and you know we get a hamburger maybe some wings or something like that we're, we're just talking a little bit we both take a bite out of the burger birth virtually the same time and then we just kind of like look up and lock eyes we're like what what is this Joey <laughs> and he's just over there laughing because you know he had his chef made bean burgers They're as bad as they sound. I mean, the next day at the ballpark, after the game, I'm just sitting there waiting on Joey to come out, and I see Todd, and he comes out, and he's like, how's your stomach? I was like, not good, buddy. Not good.
1: (laughs) I'm never going to be able to forget that story now uh, when I think about Todd Frazier. Bean burgers. Nate, I'm sure you have a better story.
2: (laughs) No, I can't top that. Thanks, Carlos. I should have gone first. (laughs) Um, Uh, No, I think – for all the reasons uh, Carlos said, you know, you, you have to take into account things that uh, you know, impactful moments in Reds history. And that home run derby, it's unforgettable. Um, he was a two-time All Star. He, you know, he was been in our lives for a long time because of the uh, Little League World Series stuff. Um, pretty likable guy. I don't know. I think he, uh, he was just good. You know, we, we've talked about how the third base position hasn't been that deep, and, and he had a couple really really good years.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think maybe I uh, made a mistake not putting him on my list because two All-Star games, you know, Suarez has only had one. Um, And then, of course, the home run Derby, yeah, completely legendary. So uh, good call. Good call uh, for you guys having Todd Frazier on your list. My number four, we'll go ahead and talk about him because he made both of your lists as well, and it is uh, Chris Sabo. And Nate had Chris Sabo at number three, Carlos at number two, and again, that's basically two through five here for third base. You know, you're just, you're tossing dice, whatever. It doesn't matter. There's 10 guys that could be, could be in there. Uh, Sabo to me, you know, I, I, growing up, he was kind of my guy, you know, rookie of the year. I remember getting so upset at uh, Cardinals manager, Whitey Herzog in the all-star game in, in Sabo's rookie year uh, before you guys were born. And, um, he was the second, only he was the only backup third baseman on the roster. Bobby Bonilla was the starter, and all Sabo got to do was pinch run. And I was so upset at the time. And I, I'm still upset about it. And we're a hundred years later. I there's I'm I'm flawed mentally, is what I'm telling you. Um I don't know, just like one of the most fun guys to root for. You know, kind of classic Cincinnati guy, the World Series performance. Chris Sabo. Uh Nate, Chris Sabo, you had him, what do you have, number three?
2: Yeah. he uh... – you know, baseball feats aside, he made rec specs cool, and he rocked a sweet flat top. Like, you know how hard that is to pull off. He didn't.
1: <laughs> well, I'm not sure he pulled does, it off.
2: Man.
1: He does. He does. I haven't seen him a couple of years ago, but uh, and I don't even know if he still is. But he was the the, the baseball coach at Akron, and um, <laughs> and I stumbled across his picture on their website one day, and his his high, his flat top was like. Tw- Two or three times higher than it was when he played. It was it was outrageous. It looked like uh, you know, uh, kid and play from a little early nineties reference uh, for those of you that like the early nineties hip hop. But uh, yeah, any, any comments on Sabo other than uh, his uh, flat top, Carlos?
0: Yeah, he hated pitchers, hated us. <laughs> Remember us. When, when spring training he was. Um, you know, one of the instructors and in every year we do the uh like those Incredibles, you know, the soft ones. Um, you know, they weigh just as much as a baseball and anyway they take us down the right field line and they send a coach with us, bucket of balls, and they hit comebackers at us with those, you know, then they hit them pretty hard. Um, and then they make a game out of it, they start hitting it harder. But then one day Chris Sabo was our instructor and I I think I had a mind already like my growing or something out because i remember i was catching for him right there and he was just mumbling under his breath like there was probably five cuss words out of the six words he used in a sentence every <laughs> single time and and he was just like, watch this watch this and i mean he was taking hacks like I mean, these balls would, woof, just going over pitchers' heads, if he missed them. He, if he'd hit one, he'd laugh. He'd take joy. Like, gosh, he just he always talks crap about pitchers. I remember whenever he would come, like some of those Dayton games, as he was just a rover, and he would just wear them down. <laughs> That's fantastic. Laugh,
2: you raced in as high as you did on your list.
0: Like, I feel like he can drop in a few spots. Entertain me, baby. Entertain me. There you
1: go. There you go. <laughs> Now you got to bring your game, man. You had not have any uh, great stories, I like guess. I mean, come on. But then again, we don't have a Chris Abel burger story, so uh, maybe we need that.
2: Now, I apologize in advance to current Reds players if I start just like showing up at your house trying to hang out, and get some stories, <laughs> <laughs> Carlos.
1: Just start mowing their yard. <laughs> right, right. Uh, let's see what we got now. So, um, well, let's go to your number four now, Carlos, which did not make it onto either of our lists, but it's one of my and I've talked about this here on the show many times over the year. Uh, kind of inexplicably, maybe one of my favorite Reds of all time. Love this guy. I, I always felt like he was going to be a, a star, and he didn't really become one until later. But then became a pretty big one. Edwin Encarnacion. That, that's the name I wish I'd thought of. Where did you pull that one out of?
0: Well, because Edwin was like, um, he was like the first real, like, pro that I saw, like, in action. You know. Because in 03, when I got signed, I went straight to Billings. There was nothing with, like, you know, the rookies, um, high school kids. Um, and it's just, I was like, okay, well, I can play with these guys for long. And then, you, and then you heard stories about this guy, um, Edwin, about Edwin, all these little stories about how far he hit a ball at this park or how far he hit a ball at that park. And and then the next spring training, I go up, and, I'm, you know, I'm kind of wanting to see who, who this Edwin guy is, and he's already in big league camp. So I see the BP and you're like, wow, wow, wow. And then you see him in a minor league game, um, you know, as soon as he got sent back down and he was, it was just like must, must watch. I mean, ABs people from the other fields were turning to what they were doing to come over to watch, even though they had responsibilities on that field, they were just coming (laughs) to watch him hit. And it was just, he was like the first, I was like, Oh, that's what a big leaguer looks like. That's a different level. I don't know
1: if I can play there. (laughs) <laughs> all right. That's that's what they look like. Yeah. 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 You know, my my memories of, of Edwin, I, Edwin's, the way he was treated in Cincinnati frustrated me as much as uh, just about anyone because, I mean, he wasn't great when he was with the Reds, but he had all that potential. He'd been great in the minor leagues and his defense was bad when he first came up. You know, um, and, he knew, and he was never great defensively, but I felt like this is kind of the, the reverse of the Eugenio Suarez. I felt like he got so maligned because he didn't smile enough. I really think that it's just people thought he, he's just not happy. We got to get rid of this guy. It was such a weird kind of confluence of uh, fan opinion and media opinion, attention that did not pay any attention to the fact that this guy's a real prospect. This guy could be. A great player. Maybe it took him going to somewhere where he could be a DH. Maybe that's what it was. But he ultimately became a uh, you know a multiple time All Star and uh, big time home run hitter. And you know not a Hall of Famer, but one of the better players in the last uh, generation of, of, of sluggers. So I don't know I always felt like he was treated uh, really unfairly in Cincinnati, and uh, still one of my favorite players. Mm-hmm. Nate, do you have any memories of
2: uh, Edwin? nothing? Quite so interesting, but uh, I, I look back fondly on his time with the Reds. Like you, I was, uh, you know, had a lot of excitement for him. He is definitely up there in the, uh, the players that left Cincinnati that I followed the most. Like I continue to root for that guy up until he left the game.
1: Edwin Encarnacion, great call. Number four on Carlos's list. Now, my number three did not make it onto anyone else's list. I'm a little disappointed in all of you. How did you forget Billy Werber? Who? I don't choose people
2: that played when the world was in black and white.
1: <laughs> Everyone that's just listening made that name said, up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I had to add him uh, just because. Well, I mean, we needed someone that was born in 1908. Um, just a, a fun fact. This is not actually not that fun at all. He died in uh, 2009 at age 100. And that, that wasn't fun for him. I'm sure. The but least
0: possible fact.
1: That was Can not a fun fact. At all. While
0: you're saying he died. <laughs> I want to <your> apologize <laughs> to the uh,
2: Werber family.
1: We were trying to honor him by placing him on this list. And now we're, Oh, it's gone off the rails already. I should have known this was going to happen. Billy Werber. Here's why I think Billy Werber uh, should be on this list. He's a, um, he was the third baseman on the 1939 and 1940 Cincinnati Reds, both of which made the World Series. And, of course, they won the World Series in 1940. He was basically the, the heart of that team. And when, when Garber and I uh, wrote that dumb book, we uh, did some research for a chapter because we had to talk about the 1940 championship team. And he, he was really bizarre. He, he gave everyone else on the infield a nickname of some kind of a jungle cat. A tiger and, you know, lion and... Um, it was a different time, 1940, you know, I was just a wee tyke and, uh, but, uh, but he was a great player on, he was the, the key player to me, even though, uh, Ernie Lombardi was on that team, the key player on that world series team in 1940. So I do not expect either of you have any comments about what Billy Werber, unless Carlos had a bean burger with him at some point at age 90. Yeah. No. <laughs> Rest in peace. Carlos is still laughing at the, the fact that Billy Warburg died. <laughs> that guy. Gosh, couldn't even make it to 101.
0: Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm going gonna have so to have right heavily.
1: Yeah. Yeah, if he knew what YouTube was. Um, okay, so we're up to the top three on at least all of our lists. And um, so let's go to the – I think we're actually top two on Carlos's. we got his number two, Chris Sabo. So um, we'll go to your number two, Nate which is a guy that didn't show up on either of our lists for reasons. You could put him at 10 different positions, but – well, not literally because there really aren't 10 different positions. Oh, I guess there will be because we're going to do relief pitchers separately and we're going to ask Carlos to come back for that one. But you had P. Rose at third base.
2: um, I was kind of surprised he didn't pop in on yours. He did barely play third base for the Reds. But um, when he did, he was pretty darn good. 17.4 17.4 uh, wins above replacement. He had, you know, finished in the top five of MVP voting twice, at third base for the Reds, uh, four time All Star. Um, fun fact about Pete Rose, he's, you know, a jerk.
1: <laughs> that's, that is that's a fun fact. That's a nice fact. way of putting it. I, yeah, that's one way a, to put it.
2: I do have a Pete Rose story. Um, I was in Vegas for a Friends Bachelor party.
1: Every First of all, every Pete Rose story begins. I was in Vegas. But anyway, go ahead.
2: I had perhaps been uh you know overserved the previous evening, so I was struggling on my way to get a a beef burger. And <laughs> really all, never, the I way, promise. all the way I just have my head down, it's a million degrees. I'm just trying to get through this, I do not feel great. And the person leading the charge was like, they knew I was a big Reds fan. They're like, Nick, you see who's in there? I'm just like, Don't talk to me. I need water and nachos. And <laughs> they said they, they made me stop and look over. Lo and behold, in an empty room with, I guess, just like him and his agent, it's B. Rose. So I immediately perk up a little bit. I'm getting pretty excited, and I'm looking at all the signs, how much it's going to cost to get an autograph, and I'm debating about whether or not I want to go that far. And before I have time to make that decision, he goes, if you're just going to stand there, it's going to be five bucks. <laughs> that was it. I just gave five, five bucks. Out. The magic, Did you pop? The magic was gone. No, I left. I saved <laughs> that for expertise at the...
1: <laughs> well, a former colleague of mine once was in Vegas and he, he was going to stand in line because he was, uh, he's, you know, he's an older guy and, you know, to that generation, Pete Rose was, was Pete Rose, but uh, he, was, he was standing in line for that autograph and he ended up getting to the front of the line and um, plunked his money down there, was trying to get his, going to get his autograph and uh, couldn't get Pete Rose's attention because Pete was focused on the television over to his right where there was uh, the horse race had just started and he had money on one of the horses, so he had to wait until that was over. So that's, that's Pete for you. Uh, he'll show up on a, in a different position, I guess. But uh, I don't know. Third base is – I mean, he, did, he was good at third base. I guess the question for you, Nate, is was Pete Rose the greatest player in the history of the Cincinnati Reds?
2: I don't think that's debatable. It's obvious, right? <laughs>
1: well, yeah, he was never even the best player on his own team. Um, so but anyway, whatever. <laughs> on Twitter, it's uh, controversial. So I may do some more trolling later tonight if we finish this. My favorite
2: recurring Riverfront segment is uh, Chad's dumb tweet
1: battles. (laughs) I tend to say things on Twitter to to get a rise out of people sometimes because, man, there's this group of fans that are just insane. Well, it's the same group that's been hammering Joey Votto for the last 10 years. You know, he walks too much. Oh, I can't get over Pete. All right, so back to Billy Werber. Still dead. Mm Mm-mm. That's not bad. right. That's that's not right. Uh, my number two, and again, the thing you need to know about my number two, also dead. <laughs> <laughs> He's been dead since
0: 1968. <laughs> hey, take next week off, and you know, don't do a position. Just do top ten dead Reds. <laughs> <laughs>
1: top ten dead Reds. Oh my goodness! Yes. <laughs> oh, Carlos, I thought we were going to be able to stay professional for you tonight. Instead, it went off the rails. I I apologize. Um, Heine Groh. Heine Groh. Also, best top, top five name, maybe top one name in Red's history. <laughs> Heine Groh. Uh, What's that, Nate?
2: Don't Google it. You get put on a list. <laughs> <That's
1: how laughs> right. Yeah, don't, don't go Googling the Heineys. Um Born in 1889, played for the Reds from 1913 to 1921, and actually, unless I, uh, you know, um, looked at this wrong, I guess second second most uh, wins above replacement for a Reds third baseman ever, and uh, you know, close to a close to a Hall of Fame uh, level player. Uh, Played in the World Series twice, of course, uh, only once with the Reds. He was on the 1919 Reds World Championship team. I don't know. Heine Groh, I just really don't care if he was on this list. I wanted to say his name. So there we go. If you all just want to say his name, we'll move on. (laughs) Heine. Carlos is not taking that bait. All right, so that's my number two. Are we up to number one now? I think so. I think so. Yeah, so uh, let me run through these lists uh, really quickly. Carlos, top five third baseman ever. Todd Frazier, number five. Edwin Encarnacion, number four. Eugenio Suarez, number three. Chris Sabo, number two. And Nate, Gino at five. Frazier at four. Sabo at three. Pete Rose at two. Me, Gino at five. Sabo at four. The late Billy Werber at three. Heine Groh at two. And number one on everyone's list, because it's pretty obvious, Tony Perez. The greatest third baseman in Reds history. Hall of Famer. I don't know. Good nickname. Big dog. Anybody got anything you want to say about Tony Perez in particular?
0: I don't have much that, on him. Who yeah,
1: was he? Was did
2: thinking. he even play?
0: Um, the rumor.
2: I did love that he won NL Player of the Week his very last week
1: playing baseball. at 44. fun fact to know and tell. That is a fun fact. That's way more fun than the facts I've been telling. <laughs>
2: on the interwebs that week. He went, uh, got it written down there, eight for 19 with a home run, three doubles, and six RBIs. If my handwriting is correct, so that's pretty cool. I also it found out cool. that he was a, uh, a giant advocate for a player that you know, I don't know, you know, baseball history as well as a lot of people that get on here, but uh, a huge advocate for the Hall of Fame candidacy for Minnie Min- Minoso was Minoso, it, yeah. And I didn't know anything about this guy. And it led me down a Wikipedia rabbit hole that was super interesting. So if you're looking to kill 10 or 15 minutes, uh, you can find worse ways to spend it.
1: The thing I think about with Tony Perez is uh, always – and I'm not going down that rabbit hole tonight, Nate. I'll wait till the weekend. Got to save myself some time for for that. But um, the the players that play for the Reds always considered him the most important player on the Big Red Machine team, which is saying something. Um, three of the top five seasons by wins replacement for any Reds third baseman. Uh, just, he's seven-time All-Star Hall of Famer. He's Tony Perez. Carlos, any, any thoughts on Tony Perez before we – No,
0: I, I don't have really you – know, I really didn't take a deep dive into looking at his numbers until today, you know, and yeah. you populate the top third baseman for the Reds, and those numbers stick out. Mm-hmm.
1: Tony Perez, very much alive, will be 80 in uh, a couple of months. So, uh, Not 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 for a long time, we hope. Not for a long time. All right, so there you go. Tony Perez is the greatest third baseman in Reds history, period, point blank. That's it. Let's answer some questions, shall we? Yes, These questions come from our friends at patreon.com slash riverfrontsensi. It's patreon.com slash riverfrontsensi, where you can support this stupid show. And although I don't know why you would, I think everyone, all of you should unsubscribe immediately. That's really not a good business uh, decision, Nate. Sorry about that. Um, first question comes from our friend Joey Gadiza. Joey, a resident Canadian uh, here from the, uh, the, the land of Canada. To the north. Good day, guys. He says I moved the lovely Mrs. Gaditza to Winnipeg, as she's working there for four months. I miss her already, and I'm very happy that I have this Reds family to keep me company. So thanks to you all. Not really a question. Not really. a qu- There's no question here, Joey. Um. Okay. Hey man, Joey. We're thankful for you too. <laughs> we are, congrats, I guess.
2: Congrats on being married. That's that's nice.
1: Is it though? I mean, it's for Joey, I'm sure, and for me, Mrs. Dodson. If you happen to be watching, yeah. For the, a-
2: it sounds like a lovely woman.
1: Um, yeah, no. Uh, Winnipeg sounds uh, well. Cool. Hmm. You been to Winnipeg, Carlos? Only Toronto. You been to Canada? Only Toronto. I've never been to Canada. Got a funny Toronto Canada. story too.
0: Oh,
1: <laughs> real quick. Please tell me there's a. Please tell me so, there's a bean burger involved.
0: No. Uh, so it was whenever the NBA all-star game was there, got invited to go. Um, and so only time ever being in Canada super cold. When I get there, I have no clothes. I live in San Antonio, Texas, and I don't go hunting. So I don't have, you know, the proper attire to wear when it's zero degrees. So the first day we get there, I'm like, I want to spend zero time outside and Joey's like, okay, cool, it's fine. We're gonna meet my friends here at the sports bar. We're gonna have some wings. We're gonna go to this party afterwards, blah blah. blah. We end up hanging out at that little sports bar, watching like UFC. Stayed there the whole night. And his buddy's getting an Uber and take off. And he's like, no, we're just gonna walk. I'm like, we're gonna walk. He's like, yeah, we're gonna walk. It's it's like two blocks. I'm like, uh, okay. So we start walking, two blocks. Three blocks. I'm like, what? I'm walking sideways at this point because the wind is hitting my face and I'm starting to get worried. (laughs) We end up walking probably like three quarters of a mile to get to his condo. And he is just dying laughing. Like, I mean, I slept in the clothes that I walked from the restaurant in because I was so freaking cold.
1: It was unreal. (laughs) And he's
0: just dying laughing.
1: That's that's my friend. Uh,
0: That's my friend. Joey's not a
1: nice guy. (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. That's not much of a friend. Although that'd be kind of funny, I think. Yeah. Let's bring the kid from Texas and uh, you know, let's watch this happen. That yeah. is fantastic. Uh so that's what you get, Joey, for not asking asking a uh, Joey Giditsa for not asking a question. You get that story. Kyle Kapler asks this Andy Pettit, Andy Messersmith, or Andy Abad? Hall of Fame worthy? No, none of those are Hall of Fame worthy. I mean, you may think Andy Pettit's Hall either of you think Andy Pettit's a Hall of Famer? playoff Hall of Fame, maybe. Maybe. Well, the Reds have no one in the playoff Hall of Fame. Because they're all dumb. Yeah, maybe some, maybe some dead guys.
2: The uh, picture on baseball reference set up, Hall of Fame worthy goatee. Oh, strong.
1: I'm not going to look for that, but I don't think your word for it. Uh, the next question comes from James Urban. James Urban, we often talk about the good moments as Reds fans. So let's hear the worst ones you remember. Top three worst moments in Reds history. I'll start 2010 and 2012 NLDSs, shutdowns letdowns, Castellini taking over ownership, and number three, the end of the big Red machine years. Even though I wasn't alive for these, they definitely deserve a spot on the list. So, well, the question was which top three worst moments uh, that we remember. So worst moments in Reds history. I don't know, you know, I mean, that whole series of season where they were lost 90 plus games for four seasons in a row. I, that, that's, that's on my list. Um, the Buster Posey home run in the 2012 playoffs. Um, what do you got guys? Anything?
0: Yeah. 12 was whatever they were, it was. The Giants that they were yes. up two games enough. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That one, that one was probably my least favorite. Uh, went to the games in San Francisco and so fully expected that to be over. Should have been. Mm, that was tough. The um, I forget what year it was that Joey hurt his knee. Or he was like just killing, like he was going to crush the doubles record. Yeah. That was like his, going to be his best year. Yeah, it was another MVP year ready to happen. Yeah, for sure. That was a bummer. And I don't know. I don't. I only really have a third one, I guess.
1: Yeah. It's, it's great. There've been so many bad moments. It's hard to, it's <laughs> over the last you know, 20, 25 years. It's hard to really narrow them down. Unfortunately, Nate, what do you got?
2: The extended periods of losing, like I'm just numb to all that. So that, that, that doesn't stick out whatsoever. Uh, the Posey home run was big. Um, Quato dropping the ball, literally dropping the uh, ball. Was yeah. As far as like specific moments. That one just stunk. Stunk real bad. Um, me, the uh, number three was when I found out that the Reds traded Adam Dunn. I remember, I was, I remember where I was. I was, I was driving back, back from a little trip somewhere. I was in my car and came over the radio or whatever, and I was I was, I was mad. You know, probably my favorite Red of all time, and yeah, it never feels good when you're youngish. Yeah,
1: I'll add one. Actually, it was the first pitch at Great American Ballpark. Because the first pitch at Great American Ballpark was thrown by Jimmy Haynes. And that's that's a beautiful new ballpark. And this is the team that the Reds were giving us. (sighs) I've got a a panoramic photo of that first pitch. And I don't have it on my wall anymore, but I did for a long time in my last job. and uh, (laughs) Just because I wanted to look at Jimmy Haynes every day. (laughs) Not dead, I hope. I don't know. Gosh, I hope he's not dead. Man, this is going to be a thing. Like,
0: I'm not going to let it die tonight. (laughs) I'm going to keep this thing going on Twitter.
1: (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Wait till you you may have seen, I guess you've seen this question already, uh, Carlos, but this question, next question is just for you.
0: I did
1: This is from Joe Farsing. Carlos, you have a half win lead over Nixon Zell in career wins above replacement. (laughs) Do you think he closes the gap this season, or will you widen the lead despite last playing in 2009?
0: That is a great question. That's that is I'm rough, gonna... man. <laughs> oh, my God. I sent that over as soon as I saw that rundown earlier today over to Nick, and we had a pretty good laugh about that one.
1: <laughs> it's it's true. So are you going to extend your lead? Yes. This is the question. <laughs> yes or no? I hope not. God, I hope I get lapped. Yes. Joe apologized to me uh, after he sent this. I know you're not going to like this, <laughs> this one, Chad, because I'm a Nick home homer. yeah, you know, again, I'm the idiot that wrote a cover story for uh, Cincinnati Magazine. Although I still believe every word of it, you know. But this is the year. I mean, if Zell, this is the year. Period. I mean, he's he's got to do something this year. Yeah, and I think he only gets a couple of months to prove it. Short
0: leash. yeah. He's, yeah, he's going to be just a platoon guy for the Ugh. remainder of his Reds career, or if they trade him. If he doesn't, yeah. he,
1: he could have been what India was. And there are reasons and uh, among them injuries, but yikes. So anyway, Joey Gideets is back. Um, he asked an actual question this time. Is it selfish of me to put two comments on the same podcast? Anywho, when our band play lives, plays live again, Joey's a member of a band. He uh, plays the bass guitar. Could you see Bronson Arroyo, Johnny Gums, and Derek Dietrich all at a punk rock show? Well, yeah, I think so. I'm not sure what kind of a question that is, Joey. But I w- I'd like to go to a show with uh, with Bronson, Derek Dietrich, and Johnny Gums. That'd be a fun night.
2: I want to see them as the band. You yeah, know, Joey playing baseball. Mm.
0: Johnny, you know Johnny's going to get in the fight. <laughs> That's what's going to be fun about it. <laughs> with Derek Dietrich.
1: <laughs> I tell you one thing: those those Bronson three guys. the
0: only one playing. <laughs> right. Dietrich's going to be hitting on chicks.
1: Uh, here's here's a a separate question I guess a follow up question Uh, of uh, Bronson Arroyo Derek Dietrich and Johnny Ames which of those three is most likely to have eaten a bean burger Dietrich you think so? Dietrich I was going to go Bronson I said Bronson did
2: it on purpose but I can see Dietrich getting pranked
1: (laughs) yeah there you go maybe yeah all right uh, Clay Christian next question Uh, You've said uh, last week that MLB was a monopoly, which it is. If you could start a competing league, assuming you had a huge financial backer, how would you structure the league to make it fair for the owners, managers, and players to avoid lockouts? That's a question that's going to take us a lot longer to answer than just, you know, a couple minutes here. But you could do it. I mean, you really could do it. Uh, You know, it would take serious financial backing. You'd have to have a set agreement on the percentage of the pie that goes to the players and the owners. And what the pie consists of, you know, not just, is it, you know, just revenue from the stadiums or all revenue, right? Which it should be. Um, I think that if you're if I'm starting a league, there's none of this. Uh, there's no interest exemption if I'm starting a league because that's ruined the game. And I guess I would say that um, I guess this is my, my bias. Players should be free agents every year unless they want to sign along from the very beginning. You know, there's no keeping salaries down at the beginning. Players can be sold to the highest bidder if teams want to to pay for them as a rookie or whatever. What do you guys think? Carlos, any thoughts?
0: Yeah. Um, everything you said sounded really, really good. Um, I don't know how that, you know, every year's a free agent year would work. Um, but
1: oh, – I'm yeah, just saying there's yeah, all, no all – along. There's no time you have to wait to become a free agent. There's no like arbitration. It's just that you can you can sign a long-term deal if you want, but um I don't know. I just I think letting players be available in the free market quick. Right, right, right. It's a fair way for, for to treat. Them. I'm sorry, interrupt. You go ahead.
0: No, yeah, yeah, no. I mean just along that maybe like you still got to get drafted by the Reds or whatever in your first year, then you make the minimum year with the Reds, but then after that, then if you're a big leaguer then yeah, you get to do your contract. Go wherever you want. If they want to keep you, then fine. But if not, um,
1: yeah, you say you. you know, yeah.
0: These,
1: I like it. Yeah. Let's propose that. Anything else you, you want to add to that, Nate? We've already we've created the, the perfect league so far. We're I
2: want uh, to establish a profitability cap. So, like, everybody has incentive to make profit, but after a certain level, every dollar that exceeds that that number goes to you know, a charity of your choice or something. So it kind of takes decency over capitalism. And it's like you don't make all the money, but every team can make up to, I don't know, $200 million, whatever number some arbitrary really, really high number. After that, it goes to a charity. And that way you can't really underspend because then you're the team that is actively trying not to donate to charities.
1: <laughs> there you go. Bob's
2: going to oh, donate
0: yeah. to his own. Yeah, really. really. There would have
2: to be rules. Like you have to let your, uh, your arch rival pick a charity in your city.
1: Uh, Bob, Bob Cassidy, don't have to worry about that. He's never going to spend that, enough money for that to be a problem. Uh, that's a great question, and you could really uh, – someone needs to really think that through and write a good, good uh, piece about that. Ellis Farson says, I've been re-watching the Ken Burns baseball series this week most recent episode, the bottom of the 10th inning, finishes up at the end of the 2009 season. If Ken were to make another episode, what do you think it would include from 2010 to now? And do you think our pal Joey Votto would make the cut at any point? I think that if you're talking about the decades from 2010 to uh, 2020, it's probably a two-hour episode about nothing but Joey Votto. I mean, right? Yeah. What, What else would you talk about?
0: He's definitely been top five. Yeah, he's in In there and for sure. I mean, somebody I just saw that on too on Twitter right before we hopped on. They had his numbers from I believe it was maybe twelve to to nineteen, something like that. They were just
1: incredible. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what frustrates me so much is that so many Reds fans don't realize you have been watching one of the greatest players. You are watching probably the greatest Red you'll ever get to see in your lifetime. And maybe the greatest red of all time. I think you can make that case. Why, are, you know, why are we uh, <laughs> we're not celebrating him every day? So yes, he gets on there. Yeah, I know what I hope doesn't
2: get on there, and that is a uh, a chapter dedicated to the missed 2022 season because the honors are turds.
0: Oh, oh gosh, just, I go back to that,
1: please. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Nick. Thanks for <laughs> right. next thing you want to talk, going to want to talk about Billy Werber again.
2: You got
1: to draw the line somewhere. Uh, Nate, let me ask you a question. This is a, this is a serious question. Um, Billy Werber, do you know where he's buried?
2: I don't No.
1: Come on, man! It's, obviously, everyone knows this. Sharon Memorial Park, Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, so if you're in the New Charlotte neighborhood, if you're in the area, go are Smith. Smith. someone
0: please go s- send us a pic. <laughs> Please, yes. Please. Or nail some flowers from us. That'd be good. Like just the headstone. Don't go digging anything up.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, just a picture. I don't need – oh, gosh, I'm glad you – because somebody will do that. You know, this <laughs> cult that we have here at the riverfront. So final question here comes from our friend uh, Nathan Connor. Nathan says, I'd be interested to hear the gang discuss the Paul O'Neill trade. It's relevant in that the Yankees are retiring his number, so he's in the news. What kind of domino effect do you think the trade had on the franchise? In a pretty short period of time, we lost O'Neill, Lou Pinella, Dan Wilson, and Norm Charlton. And so he's been watching, watching some old Reds games, and it had uh, a lot of commentary, even back then, about how Marge was going to slash payroll. So um, anyway, he says, it felt like one of those moments in time when the Reds chose a direction and had a massive impact. The O'Neill trade was sort of an early sign of that. Okay, so Paul O'Neill was traded to um, – The Yankees. And this was uh, in 1992, after the 1992 season, for Roberto Kelly. And we know what Paul O'Neill became for the Yankees, right? They are actually retiring his number, which is, I mean, he was a really good player. But look at the numbers the Yankees have retired. I mean, those are Hall of Famers. And Paul O'Neill's not a Hall of Famer. I don't think, maybe, I don't know, maybe he will get into the Hall of Fame. But he's a, a very, very, very good player. But what people don't remember, and this may be – you all can chime in if you want, but I, I know this was kind of in my wheelhouse. Um, I loved Paul O'Neill. I, I mean, I, he was one of my favorite players. But when he was traded for Roberto Kelly, most player, most people thought the Reds got the best of that deal. Roberto Kelly was a uh, good up-and-coming player. I think he made the all-star team the year before for the Yankees. It didn't look that – and Paul O'Neill at that time had not been what he came, became with the Yankees. So, yes, I think it turned out to be – Kind of a turning point because that 1992 or the 93 season, the 94 season. Well, the 94 season they're pretty good. Actually, I'm changed my mind. That wasn't much of a turning point because they were pretty good in 94, 95, and then later on they cheap quit uh, quit buying pitching and uh, it went downhill. But, um, but I don't know, I don't think that was as bad a trade as it looked like in retrospect. I guess so. Either of you have anything to say about Paul O'Neill?
2: You know, Jim Bowden, um, Bowden, Bowden, however you say it, I don't care. He doesn't deserve to just have another second um, spin on him. But he called it the worst trade of his career. Um, I agree with you that at the time, it, I don't think many people thought it was that bad of a trade. But, uh, yeah, in retrospect, sure, he became a stud. Um, I prefer to look at it from a, a more rosy, reds-colored glasses standpoint. Um, he got turned in, Paul O'Neill, to Bobby Kelly, as we mentioned, who then got turned in to Deion Sanders, who then got turned in to the immortal Dave Berba, who then got turned in to Sean Casey. Sean Casey. If it wasn't for the Paul O'Neill trade, we wouldn't have got the mayor.
1: Who got turned into Kevin Bacon. I think that's how that game works. (laughs) I don't know know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, Is it too much to ask that you have a a Paul O'Neill story, Carlos?
0: I don't have one, guys. I can make (laughs) one up real quick. I mean, there's still time. <laughs> nobody's gonna fact check me, right? Exactly. Nobody's even still listening at this point, so who cares?
2: Like, All right, that's good for. What's that, Nate? I'm like Billy Werber, there is still time to get a
1: Paul Nilsen. Oh yeah, Billy Werber stories are no more. This has been—I don't know if it's been fun or not, guys. Uh, yeah. Nate, you getting final? You got your final thoughts for final false
2: Nate? <laughs> no, this, is, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks to everybody who's listening. Thank you, Carlos, for coming on and uh, helping us get through this one today.
0: <laughs> Any final yeah, thoughts man. for us, Carlos? No, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully I get to do it again. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I hope you'll come back again. And, uh, uh, again, go go uh, watch Carlos and, and the gang over at uh, Late Night Reds Talk. They, they, it's always fun uh, every time. Uh, it's most fun when I'm on with them, but it's, uh, you know, it's, almost, it's still pretty pretty fun when I'm not there. Uh, and I watch every uh, single episode, and you all should as well. Uh, you can like and subscribe us. You know, if you're on YouTube, uh, hit the like button, uh, smash that subscribe button. You know, uh, tell your friends about us if you want. If you like us, if you don't, well, shut up. You know, we're in every place you get your podcast. we audio podcast as well as the video podcast. So I don't know. This is uh, this was a fun one. I thank uh, both you guys for for being here tonight for uh, Nate Dotson, for Carlos Guevara, and for Billy Werber. This is Chad Dawson saying so long, everyone.